Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. And may I emphasize the fact that uh, uh, floss and brushing your teeth twice a day and uh, then visiting the dentist once a year is important for of us old people. For those of us who still have our own teeth. <laughs> yeah. Most of it. yeah. And yeah. how fl flossing and toothbrushing is, is so important. Although which toothpaste you use didn't seem to matter, but uh, uh, well nowadays, you know, most people have dentures, so they don't so you have to just take care of your dentures, but anyway. Those of us who still have our teeth, we have to take care of it. Take care of it. I thought your thing now was implants. I'm sorry, yeah, implants. I, I thought the, the trade now was people doing more implants. They are doing more implants, but there's still people who who uh, have dentures. Yeah. Um, Dr. Um, Calendar. Right. Yes. Hello, everybody. Yes. Uh, Dr. Callender, even if you don't have your teeth, uh, you still need to see your dentist because your dentures stay the same and the tissue changes. And you may need, you know, to get relines and uh, there are also uh, lesions or cancers that could be in your mouth. So you still need to see your dentist, even if you have no teeth. Excellent point. Thank you so much. And Dr. Callender, before we get off the subject, I think you, you must have read my mind because just before the meeting, I was thinking that we haven't had a dentist. And I remember uh, very early on in my D.C. history, my young adulthood, I couldn't really afford a dentist. And I went to Howard University Dental School and had a free exam. Wow. That was yeah, they still do that. And uh, that's... Uh... You know, I remember when I was a little boy, my, the one thing my aunt always did was take us to the dentist, no matter how much we disliked it. And that's so important. And that free dental clinic that they have is uh, amazing in terms of what the contribution they make to the community. Yeah. On John's I'm, point, I was in high school and went to the Howard Dental School to get my teeth actually worked on because they would let the students practice on us. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, over the last year, I got an implant and a crown at a dental school and uh, reduced the cost from a regular dentist would have charged me $6,000. And at the dental school, it was only uh, $1,200. Mm, what a difference. And the wow. insurance, covered, insurance covered half of that. So I was only out of pocket about $600. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know, you can't overemphasize the importance of of, of dental health, you know, you're right. So um, keep trying to get the dentist to talk to us as well. Do, do you know if, if Howard does implants? I know they do everything. So, but but you mean the dental school? Yes. Uh, I imagine, I mean, they they do everything. So I, I don't know specifically, but uh, I would imagine they do. That's part of the dental uh, care. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I guess we can get started. It's uh, a wide variety. You know, one of the things I, I keep thinking about is that the incredible contribution that uh, John Buchanan brings to us every every Thursday. It's just amazing uh, how he is so unspoken about it, but yet what a marvelous job he does every Thursday. And we just can't thank him for his excellence and his genius in so many different areas, but especially for this one. So hats off to John Buchanan. Here's the clip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Black History Month. This is an interesting uh, recognition that uh, uh, president of uh, Howard University Hospital they, uh, uh, pointed out the many contributions that uh, black uh, people have made through the years and uh, you know looking through that laundry list refrigeration system automatic elevated doors can you imagine without any of this <laughs> refrigeration wow uh, automatic elevated doors Woo! my Ooh. goodness the wrench home camera security system uh, the uh, super soaker the well potato chips well uh, that's not healthy but uh, how many of us uh, eat potato chips but don't tell anybody about it? Uh, an automatic safety brake, and then, of course, the AC heating system, and then, of course, the way that we get, uh, get across town with that marvelous system that helps us get to where we're going that a Black woman uh, devised. So that uh, there's so many ways in which... Uh, uh, it does the that, that sometimes we've taken an it for granted. Uh, then, of course, she mentions many of our uh, Black medical people, especially uh, Charles Drew, LaSalle Fall, and uh, many others, uh, Dr. Cornwell, and Patricia Bath. People don't recognize that the, uh, uh, the cataracts and the whole process of that was begun by Patricia Bath, uh, actually. She was the first African-American woman to hold a patent. And uh, uh, she was quite a quite a lady. She died uh, several years ago after surgery, but she was quite an uh, important person. And of course, Dr. Cornwell and his efforts with uh, trauma and uh, going to the community and uh, educating the community about uh, uh, trying to keep us from Killing ourselves, of course, we not we haven't succeeded because we're still killing ourselves. But anyway, uh, and then of course, Doctor LaSalle fall with his cancer work. Yeah, so and there's uh, Motep in the house. Yes, and then of course Motep, uh, which we created in 1991, which uh, decreased uh, increased the number of blacks and minorities who uh, donate uh, uh, for transplantation. So that uh, there are many ways in which. Uh, uh, what we have in health today, what we have in America today, is is traced to the uh, genius of a uh, of a uh, African American people who, in spite of being dragged over here, have helped make America what it is today. Any other comments? Uh, other other blacks that you want to mention that we haven't mentioned? 
Okay, then uh, we won't talk about the Super Bowl because there's too many people who may be offended by the result. The Baltimore people and the audience who were heartbroken, heartbroken that they weren't there. Uh, this is an interesting uh, version of monkeypox that uh, occurred in uh, Alaska. Uh, and this uh, first known fatal case, uh, we don't know that much about this virus, but we know that it can be lethal. And uh, of course, uh, they, they do say it came from a cat. And so those of you cat lovers, uh, keep in mind that you have any any cuts or bruises that occur and they don't heal right, well, you have to uh, uh, make sure that uh, if it doesn't heal right away, then you need to go see your doctor. Yeah. Of course, this was in Alaska, and that uh, makes it special. Well, we just talked about it, and uh, uh, hopefully, it'll stay in Alaska. And of course, uh, uh, Alaska has its own unique issues, especially six months of light and six months of darkness is. Is an amazing obstacle to be overcome, uh, as well as the temperature there. Let's go to the next one, please. <laughs> uh, is it safe to ask if you have heart disease? I think um, Daryl talked about the. Uh, the healthiness of having sex and how it's important because it does uh, keep you alive. Uh, and that, uh, uh, but that it can uh, exacerbate some conditions, but it's, uh, it's, it's healthy and safe to engage in sexual activity. Of course, if when you have sex, you start having chest pain, and that, that means that you need to see your doctor and, I get your cardiac situation uh, re resolved because because you have a heart problem does not mean that you cannot exercise. It means that you have to have your heart uh, situation taken care of so that you can exercise and so you can have a, have sex. How many people have died having heart having sex? There's a lot of them who have uh, uh, had their last breath. Uh, as they had their orgasm. And so, uh, yeah, it is true that uh, uh, less than 1% of heart attacks occur through, during sexual activity, but it does occur. One of my best friends uh, 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 died having sex with his wife. Uh, so, and it's, uh, so it's not uh, having sex with other than your girlfriend or wife, but having sex with whoever you have sex with. Uh, and so, but if you get chest pain during sex, then you need to have that worked up because uh, uh, just like any other exercise, uh, it can uh, uh, st stress your heart. Uh, any other questions about that? Because this is a topic that uh, people don't often discuss. And uh, uh, this question, can people with heart disease? Disease, take medication that affects sex is important. Yes, 
they're medications that have side effects that uh, uh, decrease sexual libido or the ability to have sex and decrease the ability to have an erection. Uh, and so if you have medication and it, it, it impacts you in that fashion, you should let the doctor know so it can stop it and put you on medication that won't have that side effect. And uh, who should avoid sex with heart disease? Those people who have, when they have sex, they have chest pain. That means that you you have unstable angina, or you have uncontrolled hypertension. Those things need to be controlled uh, so that you can safely have sex with your, your loved one. So as it concludes, it's, it's safe for all people, but it, in some conditions can be exacerbated by having sex. And if that's the case, you need to have your doctor work with you and get that uh, heart disease under control or the hypertension under control. Any questions about this topic, which we don't often discuss? Um, Dr. Callender, is this just applying to, for men, not women, or do women die from that? I, I've not heard of women dying having sex, so I don't know the answer to that question. I don't anybody in the audience know the answer to that question? Most of the talk is about the men who are having the heart attacks. So I don't know about the female aspect of it. Yeah, uh, anticipating that question, I was just on Google asking the same thing, whether women died having sex, and Google doesn't know. <laughs> it does say that uh, <laughs> women... It does say that women die from heart attacks more often than men. Yeah, they do, but uh, uh, but you'd have to be curious and ask women about it. And uh, when we talk about sex, we, as Carol is pointing out, we we emphasize the male aspect of it and tend not to even concern ourselves with the female aspect of it, which is a, a sign of the times that we something we need to change. In our group, for example, uh, uh, when we first started, we, uh, one of the things that was uh, interesting was that men would always lie about their ability to have sex. Uh, and so, especially if women were present, but if women weren't present, they'd probably be more honest. Uh, but, and also the issue of uh, sexual libido with women uh, was often not, uh, discussed, uh, women who have renal disease and other things. Uh, and so this is more a factor of us not being uh, willing to be interested in female aspect of the sexual drive uh, than it is in they're not having the problem. So I think what we need to do is to have more research and be more open about it with women and not be so, uh, uh, so, uh, insensitive to the fact that uh, sexual issues regard men and women alike. Any other comments or concerns uh, relative to sexual activity? Yeah, I've heard of more men dying. I've never heard of a woman dying, but uh, women, when they get around them, each other, they're um, a lot of times they're free and they talk about it, but I didn't think men ever talked about sex around each other. Except what? For, no, Are I mean, except, it, except for lies and, 
and bragging, but they don't yeah. ever oh, tell oh. it. Do they tell the truth ever? No. Not not in my experience. <laughs> if, <laughs> they if, always if you, have, <laughs> if you have good friends, you, you get honest with your really close friends, though. Because a, as you get older, you find that uh, we share similar experiences with uh, with sex. That's interesting. I've never discussed any sexual activity with anyone, male or female. Well, actually, it'd be a good thing for uh, for men to to share what it's like uh, as an aging male uh, with their sons, so it doesn't take them by surprise twenty years later. That's easy for you to say because you don't have sons, but I don't think like Very I think easy. say they, men just don't talk. Oh, we and do especially talk, especially to their son to their sons. Oh, I said we talk, but. The, 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 the problem is that what we say isn't necessarily uh, accurate often. <laughs> One thing that they could talk about would be the different types of uh, uh, erectile dysfunction medicine that's out on the market, and they could share that with each other, maybe. They they aren't going to share that. <laughs> <laughs> it's on TV. It's on TV. <laughs> Just like the uh, yeah, different, uh, all these different uh, uh, pads that women have. This, it's all on TV. All of it's on TV. They have been uh, advertising Viagra for ten years now. But it's on TV, not in real life. Yeah. And so what happens is, one man might say to the other, "Have you tried Viagra?" Or, Cialis, or you know, they talk about different types of medicine. They do that. Yeah. Well, That's you know, interesting. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Darrell. Yeah, Abraham and Sarah, uh, they conceived when they were in great old age without any, without any Viagra. <laughs> but uh, like one, one real good comment for uh, to share with um, sons and daughters is that the mind is the greatest. Uh, source of your libido than um, than anything in the world, and that's what you cultivate. You stay away from things like uh, pornography um, and sex toys because that breaks the uh, the mind and body link. And so, if you want to keep your sex drive in your mind as strong as possible, avoid pornography and sex toys. Any other sage advice? I, I had a, a question about this uh, new wave therapy. I hear it on the on the uh, radio, advertised for um, uh, ED as a treatment. Have you heard about that wave therapy? No, I haven't. Carol, you heard about that? It's TV. It's sort of like um, a sonogram, I think, but supposed to. Uh, increase the blood flow, things like that. Correct um, uh, blocked blood vessels. Yeah. I'm not aware of it. My husband just mentioned to me that he had heard of that too. But, 
it's on TV as well as radio, he said, but he didn't um, talk about it. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Uh, Dr. Callender, going back to the cause of death in reference to heart attack and sexual thing, uh, my comment is that um, when they write up the cause of death and reading the book uh, about B. Smith, and her dementia, it was mentioned, they did, they did, they talked about researching as well. And they says that when the cause of death is written up, it does, it will say, okay, she had a heart attack, but it won't say that she had dementia. So it's also uh, talk about the ladies and the, and the uh, heart attack thing related to sex. It's also, isn't it also how the cause of death is written up? It could be several factors. So, uh, well, they just one cause. Well, usually, uh, the reason that they know that the people have died from uh, had heart attacks during sex is because the the woman will tell them, uh, or whoever the, the partner will tell them, and that history is one of the most important aspects of of a diagnosis, and so that that's what that's how you get the the truth about it, if, if the partner tells the story. Because the person who died can't isn't alive to tell the story. So right. the partner, partner has to tell the story. Yeah. And that would make a difference. That's how the diagnosis would be made because the partner okay. would in, indicate, hey, uh, we're having sex and he just stopped. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was at a funeral and the lady that was with the gentleman, she was just almost like bragging. I was with him when he died, you know, <laughs> looking at him real strength. <laughs> but usually the women will tell, you know, he was there. And I remember being a young girl and this man died and the lady that he was with, which wasn't his wife, you know, she didn't want to tell everybody, but she told enough people that, you know, he was with me when he died, you know. But we, <laughs> we did keep it from his wife. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess we go to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I killed it. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, oh, she's saying she killed him. <laughs> yeah. I shot the sheriff. Uh, amazing. He definitely is portrayed in a lot of movies <laughs> and things like that. You hear? Yeah. 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 She took him out, huh? <laughs> uh, this is an interesting article because you know we have these vaccines and we sometimes it takes years before you really know the real value of this and so here's the uh, real story about the HPV vaccine uh, some 12-13 years later and it's it's, uh, it's, a, it's it's amazing how effective that HPV vaccine has been in eliminating deaths from uh, cervical cancer, which uh, is taking away too many of our, our young women. And of course, the problem is they've got to get the virus from the men. Uh, and that's why originally when it was given to women, it bothered me that they weren't giving it to the men who were the real cause of the problem. But this is a study that uh, looked at uh, uh, the rate of cancer for 100,000 person years with data 
uh, and uh, they had 447,000 women uh, that uh, they talked about. So these are a number of cases, although uh, uh, it doesn't uh, really help with the uh, African-American population, but it does uh, demonstrate that uh, the vaccine is very effective in, in preventing cervical cancer from uh, human papillomavirus. And that's uh, good to know. And it's good to keep in mind as you send your kids to school to make sure that they, they get the HPV vaccine. Uh, because I've had a number of friends whose wives died from cervical cancer. And uh, that's, uh, and all of them were young, uh, under uh, 40. Uh, so, so this is a this is good news that uh, even if you receive only one dose and the, the recommendation was three doses, uh, still they had uh, great results. Dr. Callum, is this a, uh, an ounce of prevention kind of a thing? Is a pound of Vaccines fear. are always an ounce of prevention, absolutely. Especially uh, HPV, which prevents the death from cervical cancer, as well as head and neck cancer, but mostly because of cervical cancer, which is killing so many young women. Uh, CDC recommends that boys and girls get the HPV vaccine between ages of 11 and 12. So we hear Absolutely. a lot about girls getting the vaccine, but boys should get it too. No, matter of fact, that's that is more important. The boys get it because they're the ones who give it give it to the girls. So uh, that, that's what used to bother me is that they, they're giving it to the girls. But although it's nice to give it to the girls too because you want to prevent them from getting cervical cancer. But the, the guys are the are the real villains in this case because the virus is coming from the, the, the men. And so uh, the men really need it more than, well, both need it. But it, it, it's important that the, as, as Daryl said, that the, the men give it, get the vaccine so they don't spread it. Okay, let's go to the next one. Now this is a this is something that is startling that we're having so much syphilis now, uh, especially in the face of other sexually transmitted diseases being flat or decreasing. <laughs> and why are we having this rise in, in syphilis uh, while gonorrhea and the other sexually transmitted diseases are decreasing? Uh, and uh, I'm not sure we know why. Uh, gonorrhea and chlamydia are common, but uh, it does appear that it has a disproportionate effect on gay and bisexual men, uh, uh, but it's expanding in heterosexuals as well. And so this is a great concern for the Department of Health and it affects kids and unborn children in, in, a, in such a fashion uh, that uh, uh, this is a source of great concern because um, children that are born under with uh, Parents who've had syphilis is uh, uh, a cause of great concern. Uh, 
American Indian and Alaskan Natives have the highest rate. That's an interesting aspect. Why, why, why? It doesn't seem as though anybody has a good answer. Well, okay, here's not a good answer, but um, let's see. National Institute like of it. Health. Cool every once in a while. Wait, wait, we didn't hear what you said because Dow was speaking. Dow, what are you saying? Yeah, National Institute of Health says there's a higher transmission rate of syphilis and penile anal sex compared to penile or oral sex, you know, standard sex. So um, one of the things that's being advertised, of course, all um, STDs, uh, the most common people that get it are the young, uh, young adults. And um, social media, uh, there's more advertising. Uh, young people are feeling more comfortable with anal sex uh, and also with um, anal oral sex. With the higher transmission rates, they may be generating higher incidences of syphilis. Any other comments on this interesting article that uh, is distressing us all? Uh, John, you were saying something, but we couldn't hear you. John Taylor. Oh, I, I don't have anything to say. Oh. Okay, let's go to the next one then. <laughs> well, cheese, yogurt, and dairy recall. Uh, in certain uh, states, <clears throat> the stereo contamination caused death, uh, and uh, these are the they have listed the recalls. Uh, they haven't. Uh, I don't see here where the where they have been recalled from the states. They have been recalled from. Uh, I would be uh, of some merit to know what location this occurs in, uh, but uh, I don't see that anywhere. But it tells you about the, oh, it says from 11 states have been infected. That's the bacteria that uh, It would be good to know uh, whether, for example, Maryland is, is death occurred in California and Texas, uh, but it doesn't say anything about Maryland and uh, Virginia. It, it does tell you about the cheeses that uh, Hawaii was involved as also. When they mention recalls on television, they usually tell you what states that um, they uh, that these companies have shipped to. So, yeah. Well, it looks like uh, Maryland and Virginia have not been involved on in New York City either, uh, except for the fact I think Doc that um, Trader Joe's is uh, a local store. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in 
DC. Well, I don't know if it's in DC, but nearby Maryland, they have Trader Joe's. Yeah. Virginia too. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, well, I remember the the uh, big issue about the eye drops and people going blind and actually having uh, other complications. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, another. Uh, especially those people who have dry eyes and are taking drops. And so apparently uh, another warning has come out about some 27 eye drop products. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dry eyes, the same thing about the eyes. I'm sorry? My husband was asking, is dry eye the same thing as runny eyes? No, they're different. Dry eyes mean you, you, you have no water, and so you have to use uh, eye drops to supply the water. Okay. Yeah, whereas the running eyes suggest that you have some kind of inflammation. Yeah. Dr. Callender, um, one doctor I talked to said that if you have dry eyes, um, your body compensates by causing them to water. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, yeah, okay. No comment. Because most of the people who have dry eyes actually have to use the eye drops for water because they, they do not have uh, water secretions. That's why they use the eye drops. Yeah, I, I have dry eye and I have to use uh, uh, drops. Uh, two in each eye twice a day and uh, uh you know when i went to the eye doctor yesterday for my exam you know they asked you know what what drops are you using so they're they're pretty much aware that there are issues i know but this these are refreshed tears these are recommended by my doctor at least Okay. Yeah. John Buchanan, is it a possibility that swimming in chlorinated water could cause your dry eyes? Uh, I use um, goggles, and uh, so I keep the water out of my eyes. Um, but here, here's the thing. I use defog, okay? Defog keeps your your goggles from uh, from fogging up uh, underwater, and they may have fumes. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, water leaks into the mask, and uh, so there there is a possibility of that. But I've I've had dry eyes for many years, even before I, I even started swimming. So what's the solution for watery eyes? Mm -hmm. That depends on what's causing it. I mean, you know, because they, that could be a result of, a, of, of inflammation, which needs to be addressed by the eye doctor. Yeah, I just sent something to uh, one of our eye doctors, so uh, we'll see. 
That's your first eye surgeon on here. Say, say that. We had, uh, we had an expert uh, eye surgeon on you. Right, that, 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 right. I've, I've communicated with and, uh, you. So you maybe should be coming. Yeah, went to school with John and uh, oh. also a musician of extraordinary. Yeah, Bill Hurd. Uh, but if, if you look at this list, <clears throat> CVS, Rite Aid, Target, Walmart, you know, Really be careful. All yeah. right. I, huge I, number. I, huge number. This I is uh. I, I used to use Visine all the time, but when I started hearing about the drop drops maybe causing problems, I stopped using it. But my doctor now uh, prescribes. Eye drops. So, I yeah, my, my eye doctor gave me some of his free samples um, for dry eye. And one of them, and, and the one was called Sustain. And so that one's working pretty good. Okay, this is a surprising situation in which Alzheimer's was. Uh, caused by medically given treatment. I guess people were given the uh, human growth hormone from cadavers and uh, they uh, transmitted uh, this uh, this uh, amyloid beta that uh, actually is the thought to be the uh, cause of uh, Alzheimer's. And uh, so they have five cases in which uh, the human growth hormone was contaminated with this amyloid beta protein. And this uh, wound up producing uh, Alzheimer's. And so these are the only cases we know of where uh, the Alzheimer's is actually produced by uh, by medically induced situations, although uh, uh, there are other conditions of the prion disease, which we have no treatment for, which uh, also was responsible. But uh, this is something that uh, really uh, is a, a rare phenomenon in which uh, we, we caused the uh, Alzheimer's. Dr. Calvo, uh, we, we talked about prion a long time ago, but I've forgotten about it. Uh, like very tiny, uh, intercellular uh, parts. Uh, yeah, well, the prion is, a, so far, is a disease that has been associated with uh, uh, animals who uh, actually have uh, this disease. And when they find it, they kill all of the animals because it's spread. And, and also, if you get it in humans, it's untreatable. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we did talk about it. And what, what, we, what we recognized is that uh, 
we don't have a treatment for it. Uh, and it is, uh, unlike other ailments in which you talk about the bacteria and the virus and all that, but this is just a, a type of a protein development that uh, uh, is lethal in probably about 80% of the cases. And so far, the, 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 the prevention of it is if you find animals who have that disease, you uh, uh, eliminate all of them and make sure they're not uh, consumed. Because exactly. once, it, once it affects human, there is no treatment, successful treatment for it. Dr. Counter, I was um I just noticed that disease um up at the top it said Kreutzfeldt Jacobs. Disease. Yeah, that's different. That that's a uh, yeah, yeah. That that's that's the name of the disease that's found in animals. That uh uh that was a contamination of the HCGH, which was, that's what was in the 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 hormone that they they weren't aware of it at the time. Uh, that the uh, the source that they had actually had that uh, uh, disease entity, which is uniformly fatal. The the reason I brought it up is because when when we do the uh, the survey prior to blood donation, they ask if you've been exposed to that Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease or if you've had it, and if, mm. if you have, you cannot donate. Right, right, yeah, that's. Uh, Wow. Yeah, if you hadn't survived, that's miraculous also. Yeah. We can treat many things. That's not one thing we've learned how to treat yet. Just like we've not learned how to treat Alzheimer's either. But we still have um, medications that tend to modify some of the symptoms. This is an interesting article. Picking your nose cause dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And this article takes a look at that and uh, recognizes that the data does not identify that as a cause of Alzheimer's. Uh, and uh, uh, of course it is clear that if you have uh, dirty fingers and you put bacteria into the, your nose that it can affect the brain. Uh, but uh, so far, there's been no demonstration that picking your nose can cause dementia or Alzheimer's. But anyway, it's a food for thought. And uh, they talk about how you prevent dementia, Alzheimer's, as though we really know what causes Alzheimer's. Well, in point of fact, I don't think we really know. But I think it's, it's good that they emphasize the things that we've talked about before. Regular exercise, challenging your mind, uh, prevent injuries, be smoke-free, cover your blood pressure, managing diabetes, get good sleep seven to nine hours, and eat, eat um, more vegetables and fruits. And uh, uh, although it doesn't recommend picking your nose, but it recommends washing your hands thoroughly so that you don't put uh, the bacteria into your nose, which can go into the brain. Any other comments on this? Uh, nose picking well, is something that is very common. 
okay, I couldn't have, this was just too good to pass up. But of course, <laughs> you know, the main, main reason why people pick their nose is to get rid of boogers. And boogers is dried mucus. And so if you've got a mucus problem, uh, if you solve your mucus problem, then you don't pick your nose and you could possibly avoid one cause of Alzheimer's. So one common reason of uh, excess, excess secretion of mucus is dairy. Uh, ingestion of dairy products will increase your body's production of mucus. So uh, that's one thing you can do. But of course, if you have allergies, you know, fix your allergy problems. Try to avoid the antihistamines, which can uh, negatively impact your blood pressure and your and your your heart health. Um, yeah. So try to avoid secreting the mucus, and you won't pick your nose. This is funny. If Chris was here, he would have a field day on this. I'm a nose picker. And Daryl, you're right. It comes from boogers. You know, I have drainage. I have asthma. And the sprays, you know, it causes the drippage. Uh, he would just love this article. It has my name all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Except there's no, there's no evidence that it causes Alzheimer's. Good. <laughs> <laughs> But there's evidence that it's uh, it's a lot of fun to talk about boogers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to the next one. I, 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 I can now boogers. What, what what's left? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't help but think about the uh, the broadcaster. You know, the broadcaster's his name is Booger. That is crazy that he would keep that. Nickname. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting question. Uh, you guys are too young for this, but um, I'm 87, so so it's a, it's interesting uh, cognitive ability for a person in the 80s. In other words, what is expected? As you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the, the age of Biden and Donald Trump. Who are, uh, Biden's in his 80s and. Uh, uh, Trump is 78, so uh, uh, talking about, well, what do you expect for somebody who's 80? Are they supposed to be uh, uh, making mistakes like that? And uh, I think the article identifies that, yeah, those things occur in people who are in the 80s. Uh, and uh, uh, so it's not uh, surprising when those things occur, but uh, the question is, uh, does that mean that you're not fit to be the president? That's the that's the real question that nobody uh, has actually addressed because I don't know if anybody knows. But uh, it's clear, though, that as you age, your cognitive abilities about some aspects uh, decrease and some aspects it increases uh, because uh, many people are pretty much aware that uh, as you age, you uh, become wiser. So that's one aspect of, uh, of, uh, of mental cognition that uh, does increase. Uh, but the ability to uh, be efficient about some other things and being forgetful and some other things still goes along with the aging process. And uh, so the question remains, uh, is uh, somebody's 80 years old, is that uh, 
somebody who couldn't be a president or, or is that a contraindication to it or not? And it, it seems that uh, actually you need to have special mental tests to identify that. And, mm -hmm. and you can't, one size does not fit all. And there's some people, as this article talks about later on, who are super ages who, uh, even though they age, they don't, uh, uh, it doesn't affect their cognitive abilities. And there's some people for whom it does affect their cognitive abilities. And so it's a case by case basis. And I think that uh, as people age, they, they could have medical tests to identify their cognitive abilities. That's that's probably the best way to, to address that issue. Mm -hmm. I, I listened to the debate about Trump and um, Biden, and it seems kind of funny to me because if they're talking about age, they need to go in the Senate and clean half of it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're right. Old or older? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, if Trump goes to jail and Biden uh, misses a step, and we need new candidates, I'm entirely comfortable with having Dr. Clive Callender be president of this country. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> See, I, I'm wise, and so I know better. <laughs> My wisdom has increased, so I know better. <laughs> I can't. I can't even run my household, you know, without fern. I don't know how we make it. So I don't want. Well, you run it. You run it with the cabinet, and I'd be glad to be your uh, secretary <laughs> of bullshiggity. But but you know, but you're right. That that that's what makes a difference. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's the cabinet that. It really makes a difference. So you surround yourself with people, with people. who are, who are yeah. Yeah. And, and and listen to them. That's the, <laughs> see. Yeah. I don't know if Trump listens to anybody. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, but uh, yeah, but you 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 hit the nail on the head, Daryl. Yeah. Um. There's one thing that you said that I, um. Some people get wiser, but I see a lot of old people. And they are not wise whatsoever. They were not wise when they were young, and they just grew up unwise as they got <laughs> older and even worse. And I don't know why people look at older people and think they're, oh, you're old, you're wise. Because well, well, that, it, it's natural because as you age, you have more experience. Yeah. That's why. But that doesn't make you wise. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. what, here's how you get wise. You make mistakes and you learn from them and then you don't repeat them. That's what wisdom is. You yeah, know? but I know a lot of people, they make the same mistakes and they're 90. No, they're not wise. So they're, they're not, not wise. wise. No, they're no. not wise. And they're old. Yeah, well, so I, I didn't say that because you age, you automatically become wise. But when you age, as you make mistakes and you learn from them and you don't repeat them, then you become wise. But you're right. If you age and you you make the same mistakes over and over again, you you, you clearly are not wise. Dr. Callender, I picked up on two two words. One is the ageism, and the other is um, how a society treats aging people. People. Uh, I know 
<clears throat> like in Japan and maybe China, older folks are held in high esteem. Whereas in in the United States, I, I just talk about in the United States, it's sort of a stigma about aging. And I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I was like almost forced out of my, my teaching position. I taught for 35 years. And at the end, our principal said, you know, one, one day at the opening of school, he said, if you're thinking about retiring, stop thinking about it, retire. <laughs> and, and, you know, that that is a financial issue there, because at my salary, I fi finally reached, reached six figures after 35 years oh. of teaching. They could hire two teachers on my salary and maybe even three. Thank you for that for sharing that. That's an interesting comment uh, because it brings up the concept of the merit of retiring. What is the what is the value of retiring? What are your thoughts? You know, years ago the government had a an age date that you had to retire, age. but they changed it. Because they realized, I felt like they realized that people were still productive at 70 because that, that was the age at that time. So um, it it just depends. It's a personal thing. It depends on the person. Gotcha. Some, some age and get wiser, some age and get crazy and foolish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you just have to look at and watch the individual, I think. Yeah, you know, the other thing we talked about earlier, you know, you get older and you develop dementia. Mm -hmm. Some do, some don't. Right. Right, some do, some don't. Yeah, but, but, the, cases, like Dr. But, but what about, what is the value of retiring? What is the, well, in other words, you retire, what do you retire to do? What are you going to do? Well, I it, retire it, to sit home. <laughs> some, some people retire to make more money no actually actually i i did retire to sit home but i retired to sit home to take take care of my mom that was my purpose at the time yeah, right but i took her early out and i gave up some of the money i would have gotten if i had continued to work but I felt like taking care of my mom was more important since, as my husband keeps putting in my ear, since I had just married and I had another income, I could now retire. But that was what I did. And I have not regretted it for one moment mm -hmm. that that I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was hearing on the retiring issue. Yes, yeah, some people do make more money when they retire. I retired. Go ahead. Uh, I retired to do all the fun things I love. <laughs> yeah. But now, in that same regard, after I sat home for eight years, and after my mother passed, actually before my mother passed away, I started working another job. And I ended up getting a social security check in addition to my 
government pension. So it was fruitful on both sides. I sat home and took care of my mom. And then I fortunate enough to get another job. And I still came up with the income that I lost. That, that's an interesting comment you both of you made. You yeah. showed the love that you you gave back to your mothers. Uh, that, that's something that uh, people talked about as something that used to happen. Uh, now you're telling me that it is happening. Uh, that, to me, that's wonderful. Uh, how often does that occur? Happening. I, I, this is a quick story. I knew one of the girls at my church had two aging parents. She was taking care of her mom and her dad. And she said one day she went, she was taking them to the hospital for, I guess, an examination. And she was walking down the hall, holding both of them's hand, one on either side. And another lady came up to her who had her mom with her. And she stopped her and said, I have been doing talking about how difficult it is for me to take care of my one parent. But when I look at you and see you taking care of two parents, I'm going to stop complaining. So, <laughs> <laughs> she remembers that to this day. She, she, <laughs> one of her parents was blind and she, she took care of them for years. But she said when that lady told her that, that made her feel a whole lot better that she knew she was doing something great. <laughs> Any other comment on this topic of uh, retirement? Uh, I, I agree with John Buchanan. And the reason, um, because our society do not respect age, because if they did, we wouldn't dye our hair. We would confess how old we are. Our society looked down on older people. They see an older person as they, they'll give them respect that they're old, feeble, and senile, and they can't think anymore, which is really not true. But um, our whole society, we just don't respect people as if they are part of society. We just think, put them to the side now. The school system did that with Michelle Reed. She said, get rid of all the old teachers. Not that they didn't have experience and not that they couldn't teach. It was just get rid of them because they're old and useless. Throw them out. Our society, the government, everything. If you're old, throw them out because they're no longer good and vital for our society. As far as why, when I retired, I retired really because I woke somebody up. But the energy that I have, the energy that I have as far as teaching or working. I just substituted with other things in life to do. Some people volunteer. Um, I continue teaching my grandchildren and all, but getting in different activities, groups, whether you're volunteering or what, um, seniors, when they continue to be active, whatever they do, whether they're earning money, most of the time, senior citizens have to, I got several friends that after they retire, they had to go back to work because that income is not enough. No one tells you when you that you're going to live on less than half of what you're earning now. And of course, it gives senior citizens discount. 
but the majority, unless you got a side job, like John Buchanan, he retired, but he still had his gigs on the side to supplement that salary. Think about senior citizens that have nothing to supplement. John and I both, we still working on the outside, supplementing the salary that they gave us for a retirement. Unless you do that, a lot of times senior citizens just have to go back to work if nothing but being a receptionist or a greeter or something to subsidize that income that is not enough to live on. John Buchanan, you had a comment. I, I wanted to um, uh, react to your question, Dr. Callender, about you know what what you would do in retirement, and and for me, the the answer is bucket list. Okay, um, I uh, have have a bucket list. I want to I want to travel. I want to see the, see other parts of the world, um, and I, I intend on doing that this this summer. I'm going to go to Asia for the first time. I'm going to uh, I think it's Asia. I'm going to the Philippines in in July, and uh, of course it's scuba diving. Uh, but it'll be uh, you know bucket list. I, I also want to want to go to Africa. Th those are things that I dreamt about. You know, uh, from from being a child. I mean, if if you are retiring and you can't do those things, you know, I kind of I kind of feel sorry for you. But you know, for me, I mean, I, I want to see the pyramids, things like that. Uh, I've been across the United States, but. Even to, Hawaii, even to Hawaii, but I, I want to see the rest of the world. Bucket any, other, any other comments on the retiring question? John, yours, John Buchanan, yours take money. Think about the average senior citizens that doesn't have a money to go to New York on that bus, that dollar bus, mm. and the medicines and et cetera. Our society are not friendly to senior citizens whatsoever. Okay, we've heard Except your giving us discount. We've heard your perspective. Dr. Let's let's hear some others. Doctor Calendar. Yes. I um I didn't retire. My my parents became ill, and I stopped working, and I took care of my parents for uh, many years but I still felt that I wanted to contribute. But after my parents had passed away, I couldn't find anybody to hire me. You know, I would sound, you know, I, I, there are a lot of things that hinder you when you go to try and find a job. One of them is they tell you don't go back past 10 years, but I had a gap of 12 years. And uh, you know, they ask you, you know, what happened in that 12, in that 12 years, they, they take that as a, as a bad thing that your resume goes back so far rather than a good thing. I have lots of knowledge and lots of experience and I would have made a, a very good employee because I'm steady, punctual, understand you know, a lot better than I did when I was young and crazy. But, uh, 
you're not valued for the for the uh, experience that you do have, and you're penalized. Uh, I was penalized for taking those years off to care for my parents, but that was, you know, something that I had to do because I love my parents and they did for me, and I felt it was my my duty to do for them, like I had seen them do for their parents. So it's, you know, you just play the cards that you're dealt. It's just how I look at it. Dr. Any Donna, other perspectives? Yeah, Dr. Also, Donna, there's some people on this group session who are making more money now than they were when they were working. I can name them, but I'm not going to embarrass y'all. Good. <laughs> Any other comments that people want to make? Yeah, we retire for uh, different reasons. And oftentimes, and in this conversation too, we talk about our parents. And I know with my mom and dad, as they age, it took a lot. My sisters and I would always say, they raised us. Now we're raising them. And I remember my dad got a little dementia and she would call me at work. Uh, Daddy's gone out for a walk. And I'm on the phone at work. Dad, you can't go out. Daddy, you have to stay in. Daddy, I'll take you out later. And these are the things that you do um, really to help them continue their lives. And when it was dealing with my parents, I had siblings. And then later, before I retired, it was my husband. He had health issues. And then trying to maintain that steady pace on the job. And he had retired a year before me then I found it necessary to retire to help him. And it all worked out because that time together, we were able to do more things than if I had worked. And then soon after I retired, he needed another transplant and uh, it allowed his life to be extended. And my time with him was extended. But to say after retirement, and some people do this, you gotta find that other job or find that niche. So many things happened in life after retirement that you wouldn't be able to deal with other family issues and that sort of thing. It's not a matter of, well, let me see if I can take off from work or let me see if I can help you with this or that. And that retirement gives you the freedom to do those things. But also while you're working, you have to do the business, do the job, put yourself in a position to get that extra money, because that's what it's take money or stability, I guess I should say, to allow you to sit home and to help that family member as well as help yourselves. Retirement has so many different facets to it. And some people can't retire. They just like to work. I'm not one of those. I retired at, the, at a good time and it allowed me to help not only my husband, but family members, the recent situation with my sister and friend dying. If I just didn't happen to live near, I wouldn't have the ability to extend his time. So retirement can be good, but as we all are saying, it takes a financial hit if you can't afford to just retire and sit home and do that. Any other final comment uh, before we move the, to another subject? It's been interesting to hear the different perspectives about retirement. Any single person want to make another comment before we move on? Okay, well, let's move on to the next subject. Although it's a wonderful discussion about the merits of retirement.
this is a, a, actually a repeat of uh, something we did last time, but this is so important to be what? sure that every, everybody is aware that uh, uh, the mistakes that were made uh, five to 10 years ago, uh, it was said that you don't need to get ESAs uh, anymore, particularly black people. And so now they've reconsidered all that. And now we're saying you need to get PSAs at the age of 40, not 50, but at 40. And uh, this is true for black men. Now that for white men, there's a lot of discourse and difference of opinion. But for blacks, it is clear that uh, uh, we're at a high risk for prostate cancer and uh, the benefits of screening outweigh the risks without question. And so uh, while five years ago they said it differently, today we're saying that uh, black men after the age of 40 uh, need to get PSAs on an annual basis. And if the PSAs are elevated, then you need to be tested to find out if you've got prostate cancer. Any comments or a discussion about this dramatic change from uh, what they were saying uh, five to 10 years ago. I and it's important that all black men become aware of it. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I was just, you know, being over 70. <clears throat> um, my my doctor seemed to have a, a negative response when, when I said I wanted to, to have the, the PSA test done because my my father and my son both had prostate cancer and I, you know, but what they're saying is that over 70, the rate is so, so low or every, all men get prostate cancer or something. I, I forget exactly what, what the deal was, but um, they, they don't want to do it over 70. They don't want to. Well, that, that, I think that's a mistake because men know. over 70 get prostate cancer as well. Uh, and uh, I know of a, a gentleman over 90 who has prostate cancer. So so that it doesn't mean at the age of 70 you you can stop that you don't get prostate cancer because you do. Uh, should, should I insist on a PSA every year? Yes, you should. Okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah, Dr. my Calendar. father's prostate history is a my father's prostate cancer is a part of my family history, and so my doctor orders a PSA test with my annual exams. Doctor Calendar, I think we have to advocate for ourselves. Sometimes I had reluctance with doctors that didn't think I needed to have a pap, a pap, uh, a smear. Or I had also had doctors who told me that I didn't need uh, to have a breast exam every year. And I told them that as long as I have my parts, I'm getting my parts checked. And if <laughs> I run into resistance, I just go to another doctor. You're I don't very let wise. anybody dictate. I don't let anybody dictate what I know that's right. You have a, a, a wonderful uh, reason to live and you uh, are not going to be intimidated by others. And, uh, no, it's, indeed. It's a, this you, is my you, life. You should, you should spread that uh, that message. Spread that message. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yes, I agree, uh, uh, Dr. Callender, because I went in for um, my exam and my doctor told me, well, you know you don't have to have this 
because of your age. And I said, as long as I got you, who's an expert, as long as I got what God gave me, I'm going to have it checked out. <laughs> well, she said, that's wisdom. And she just said, okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comment about uh, this? Um, I guess this um, changing the time frame for having prostate cancer um, exams is just like um, changing for mammograms for women because they put the age down also for women and getting their annual mammogram. Yeah, that's right. You're younger, although older women get breast cancer as well. Yeah. But so it's important. Uh, um, this, yes, go ahead. I have a question. Um, and Mary Ellen may be able to answer this as well, Dr. Callender. Uh, isn't it sometimes tied into the insurance if it's not a billable item? Uh, screenings, screenings should not necessarily be tied to it. But I will tell you this. When you get your annual physical, uh, very often... Uh, they are not as conscious of uh, these aspects of your aging uh, okay. as they should be. And so if you don't uh, tell them that they, they will not do it because it may not uh, be paid for unless you uh, put the right diagnosis along with it. Right. Right. That's what I was getting ready to say. You have to have the appropriate diagnosis. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What they call you know, bill of insurance pay for things. Yeah, right. Bill of is right. Mm -hmm. That's correct. You have to uh, put the right diagnosis. Up. Otherwise, they, they will not pay for it. So the, the doctor has to be sensitive and know how to phrase it. Because, as you said, there are insurance perspectives, and and but if you have the right diagnosis, uh, then uh, it will be paid for. Dr. Calder, is, is the PSA uh, expensive? No. So that's not going to be an issue. The, the mammogram may be more expensive than the uh, vaginal examination for women over 70 uh, may be more expensive, but uh, not the PSA. Thanks. And then and, uh, most of the, uh, the, the physician knows how to code appropriately so that uh, uh, it would be uh, covered by insurance. Now, this is an article that talks about improving fitness is linked to a 35% lower risk of prostate cancer. And uh, this, what bothers me is that this is in Sweden. And I don't know how many black men they have in Sweden, uh, but uh, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case in the uh, United States. But uh, anyway, it's food for thought because it's important to be uh, physically active uh, and exercise anyway. So it's something you should do. Well, Dr. Calendar, this article helped me. I'm going to show it to my husband so he can know why I want him to cut the grass and manicure the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good exercise. Those activities are good exercise. Although they, I've never done either of them. 
but <laughs> I, I I do my exercise differently, but I do it every every morning. Okay. Okay, let's go to the next one again. This is an interesting article that talks about uh, how to address the probably the number one issue for people of, of color, and that's the uh, blood pressure. Uh, and and I think number one is one of the most important things of all. And that is do your own blood pressure monitoring and do it at home. Uh, because uh, when you go to the doctor's office, the, the pressures may cause your pressure to rise. So if you take your blood pressure at home and document it and record it, and then go to the doctor and show them that you recorded it. I think that's a very important thing. So I think everyone should have a sigma manometer or a blood pressure monitoring uh, at home. I think that is underemphasized, but this article appropriately makes it number one. Then number two, make appropriate lifestyle changes, which means the things that Daryl and others have talked about in terms of eating right and uh, uh, exercising and all those things, uh, all, you know, meditation and all those things, uh, uh, good lifestyle. And eat healthy foods. Uh, as we've talked about healthy foods all the time. Uh, unhealthy alcohol use, that's an interesting way of putting it because, you know, for an alcoholic, any alcohol is unhealthy. Uh, medication to reach blood pressure goals and then monitor it and make sure that you reach those goals, because if you don't reach them, what's the point of taking the blood pressure medicine? Because if you don't reach it, then the blood pressure complications will kill you, heart disease, stroke, and all of those things, uh, consequences of not reaching your blood pressure goals. Watch your salt. Uh, we know that we as people of color are more sensitive to salt, and so the uh, reason to keep the salt level low is uh, uh, important. And then uh, know your cholesterol level uh, and, and, and be sure that uh, they get the cholesterol level on you when you get your physical, uh, your annual physical. So you know whether your uh, good cholesterol or your bad cholesterol, or what they are and what to do about them and whether you need to take medications or not. And then number eight he has, which is something that many of us can't do, but sleeping seven to nine hours a night is something that is uh, very important. Uh, uh, and you remember we had the uh, John Buchanan's uh, musician friend who was a psychologist who talked to us about the fact that uh, uh, there are sleep psychologists who can help us get a good night's rest. And it's uh, something that many of us uh, have not done. I, I remember my my uh, teacher on the South of Fall, I don't think he slept longer than five hours any night, but that's uh, uh, still not healthy. So these are the eight things that they think that are important. Any comments about these eight factors? Lucille Perez, my goodness. Welcome, Lucille. What a shock to see here. Uh, welcome, this is Dr. Lucille Perez is joining us. Uh, uh, I'm glad to see you. 
Thank you, Dr. Callender. And I appreciate what you shared um, last week um, on um, Howard University Radio uh, in terms of healthcare and um, uh, it was it was outstanding. And if that is available to everybody, I hope they will get an opportunity to listen to this great dynamic, dynamic transplant surgeon, Dr. Clive Callender. I was so uh, proud. Thank you. You got to understand that uh, Dr. Perez is a, is a nationally known person who is a uh, president of the National Medical Association and many other outstanding factors. But in addition, she's also a cousin. So uh, take under advisement the fact that she thinks so highly of Clive Callender. <laughs> so our family, I grew up with my parents telling me, study so you can be like Clive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, thank you, Lucy. <laughs> Uh, and uh, well, the video is actually available on YouTube for people to uh, to see and hear what we talk about. Uh, uh, and it's a pleasant surprise, though, to see you. I didn't realize you were with us last week. Yeah. Uh, any other comments on that article? Uh, uh, the uh, this is a this is an article I thought we'd include because. People are talking about physicians and non-physicians and uh, what their impact is. And sometimes it gets confusing because now you go to your doctor and the doctor may not even see you. Uh, the uh, nurse practitioner or other person might see you. And you may wonder, well, what's, what's going on here? And uh, it's all about the fact that uh, there is a scarcity of doctors. And so nurse practitioners can help uh, bridge the gap. <laughs> so uh, th this then is uh, important to know that uh, nurse practitioners uh, uh, work on their own and they can work under doctors as well. And they have uh, training to uh, allow them to practice independently. Uh, but uh, they also don't have all of the experience that physicians have, but uh, it's important to know that they can uh, take care of you and do a history and physical and make diagnosis and also uh, administer medications. Uh, physician's assistants uh, actually have a shorter training program and they uh, uh, work along with physicians and uh, can help uh, extend the physician. <coughs> Optometrist and ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist. Now, the ophthalmologist is a person who uh, is actually a physician who actually uh, operates on the eye and takes care of the eye. An optometrist actually uh, uh, works on glasses and other things, but is not a physician. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind that uh, optometrists are not physicians. Uh, but uh, ophthalmologists are physicians who also uh, uh, have spent extra training in uh, operating on the eye and treating the eye. The difference between psychiatrists and psychologists. It's interesting that uh, uh, the 
a psychiatrist is a physician who uh, also uh, has done four to six years of special training uh, in psychiatry. A psychologist is, on the other hand, is uh, may have a doctorate in education or a PhD, and, uh, but is not a physician, but uh, is a mental health specialist. And uh, uh, both psychiatrists and psychologists take care of patients who have mental health illnesses. And so, so it's good to know some of this. And if you have any questions about any of this, now's the time to to ask so that we can uh, help uh, you understand. Uh, one of the things about psychiatrists and psychologists now is that the mental health aspect of it is such so much so that many of the psychologists no longer accept uh, insurance, but they require you to pay out of pocket. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, these are the distinctions that are now evident uh, throughout your uh, going to see uh, doctors. Any comments about any of these uh, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, opticians, or anything else? Any comments about that? I use my uh, nurse practitioner. She, I see her more than I see my doctor, and I, I like the relationship that we have, and she considers me a partner in my health care. And that's why I appreciate her philosophy. And I think she's changed the doctor's attitude uh, over the years. I've noticed that uh, he has more, he has, you know, he, he's changed because of her. Um, well, you, you know, I, I would I, like to ask you, I would like to ask you, Dr. Callender, do you think that the assistance that physicians get uh, has has is more accepted. I remember when they were first starting with nurse practitioners, and there were lots of doctors that were against it. No one's against it anymore, uh, because uh, of the shortage of doctors and the, the way that they can work and help you. Uh, and I yes. think you, the message you gave about uh, you being a partner is something that uh, all doctors should recognize that you're the central point of patient care. And that's the way it should be, that uh, everything revolves around you. It doesn't revolve around the doctor or the nurse. It revolves around you. We work for you, and uh, you're the central point. And that's how it should be, whether it's the nurse practitioner or the uh, physician. Dr. Perez, do you have any comments about any of this? Yes, um, I, I was going to ask the question in terms of the distinction um, between um, training. Um, you said that both uh, nurse practitioners and physicians assistants um, in terms of their training, it's significantly different than wow. a physician. And, I think your point is well taken. And and the distinction in the approach, uh, in terms of how you target or how you come to a diagnosis versus a logarithm, 
And I think it's an important distinction. Yes, we do need more physicians, but why isn't our attention directed towards more physicians than our attention placed on an alternative? Not to say that we don't need both, but when after a hundred years, we have the same number of black physicians that we had a hundred years ago. There <laughs> seems to be something wrong with the direction and the strategy that we move that we should move in. So why aren't we directing our resources? toward getting more physicians and specifically more black physicians that have the culture and the sensitivity and the expertise to be able to deliver quality care to the black community. I think that's an excellent point. And uh, I think that uh, uh, it's well taken, your position is well taken. Uh, and as you look through this, you can see the difference in the time uh, that the uh, doctor spends, the different the time that the training that is, and the time that the nurse practitioner spends in the physician's system as well. So that uh, it's, it's clear that the physician actually trains much longer. Uh, but I can't answer your question as to why. Why a hundred years later, we don't have any more uh, physicians of color. It is clear that the points that you bring up are the reasons why uh, people of color do better when they have people who look like them and who have their culture than, uh, and they have better outcomes uh, than when they have, they're treated by people who are different. So uh, it goes to your point and is an area of emphasis that uh, uh, has to be taken seriously. Any other comments or questions? Um, Dr. Callender, Callender on the optim, um, ophthalmologist and, and etc. Uh, usually when we go to um, an office, which one are we seeing? You know, usually get your you see eyes first, first you see the ophthalmologist. He then gives you a prescription. The optometrist then uh, takes care of the uh fixing the glasses and so forth and so on. So it's the ophthalmologist who actually has more of the training and is one who actually takes care of the eye and actually can be operating on the eye. And the optometrist is more of a person who's who actually takes care of the glasses. Okay, so that's not the same thing as the psychiatrist and the psychologist, because I'm just looking at the derivatives of the names. Okay, um, the psych... Okay, in terms of the optometrist and ophthalmologist, uh, in terms of the psychiatrist and psychologist, remember Dr. Robinson, for example, was an EDD. His doctorate was in education, so he's not an MD. Uh, so the difference, if you're a psychiatrist, that means you are an MD, medical doctor, whereas the psychologist can have a doctorate in psychology, in uh, psychology, can have a doctorate in uh, philosophy, could have a doctorate in education. And they don't have the uh, uh, long-term training that the psychiatrist has. 
Uh, they both have abilities to give prescriptions, but uh, the uh, physician has more experience with the uh, medications than the psychologist, but they both are mental health experts. Does that okay. answer your question? Not quite. Okay, an ophthalmologist has a doctor degree, but a psychologist doesn't, right? And they that is correct. And they both end with L O G I S T S, which in the Latin, you know, derivative doesn't mean anything. One, okay. What you know, L O G Y means study of. Right. Well, so that the optometrist is not a physician and the psychologist is not a physician. But uh, in terms of dealing with mental health, whether you have a psychologist or a psychiatrist, uh, is 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 something that may or may not make a difference to you. Uh, one of the things that the many of us knew Dr. Robinson, who was a outstanding uh, psychologist uh, and who uh, uh, actually had an extensive knowledge of almost everything. Uh, and he was a, a great doctor and he recognized that uh, uh, administering medications was part of what he did as well as uh, listening to you and often felt that the, uh, that the better uh, way of taking care of mental health issues revolved in listening to the patients and having them talk and communicate even more so than administering medications. So that uh, for the psychiatrists and psychologists, uh, I think uh, uh, they're both good at taking care of mental health. For the optometrist, uh, that, that, that person is really uh, specialized in, in uh, prescriptions, taking care of glasses. Whereas the ophthalmologist is a physician who is taking care of the eyes as well and also prescribes uh, glasses. Dr. Callender? Yes. I was always used to be confused, but I want to make sure I understand now. The optician is a is a technician, but they they can also give you eye exams. The they could. Sure, they could, but they're not they they're not physicians. They Right, but they they're can't, not physicians. Right, they're not physicians, so they can't operate. But they, but they do give you. They can check your eyes. But I found out from from my doctor that once I got a diagnosis, uh, well, once I got over sixty five, he recommended that you see the medical doctor because you may have medical issues that the optician would not be able to address. So I, I make sure that I, I get my exam from the ophthalmologist and I just take my prescription to be filled to the optician. Well, that's the way it should be anyway. Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but I think it's important that you point that out because you pay for the physician. Don't don't pay for the physician. Don't pay for the platinum and get the silver. Not to say that <laughs> one isn't experienced, but if you're paying top dollar, then you want the one that can provide the most extensive and comprehensive exam. You're worth it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Any other comments? Go ahead, yes. Betty. I'm I'm thinking back to when I first started wearing glasses. I started wearing glasses when I was in high school back in the 60s. And I, I I'm thinking that maybe I got examined at school at first and they told me I needed glasses. And so they sent me to a optometrist. And they, like uh, Mary Ellen said, they did some type of exam and gave me glasses. And for years, years, I mean years, that's all I did. And then one day I was talking to one of the girls that worked with me and she was telling me about going to see an ophthalmologist. And I started going to see the ophthalmologist. And so now I have reversed that. I see my ophthalmologist first and then take the prescriptions to the optometrist. But for years, I just had my eyes examined by an optometrist. And in many ways, uh, uh, selling yourself short uh, yeah. because there's so many eye diseases that uh, are out there especially yeah. glaucoma, which is particularly common in our uh, in people of color. Uh, yeah, and that's what I do have now, glaucoma, but he monitors it. I go on a regular basis. Okay, I think that's it for today. Um, we talked about so many different topics and we didn't complete all the articles we have, but uh, it's been a great session. And uh, it's nice to have uh, Dr. Perez with us. Uh, any other new... Uh, People on the, that we haven't, see, I see Zoom music. I don't know who that is, but uh, uh, anyway, we've had a great uh, session and uh, thank you for participating. Uh, Dr. Perez, did you want to say anything else to the group? Thank you for allowing me. I had some technical difficulties getting in, but uh I used to attend in person, I guess about a decade ago. Yeah. And this is the longest running uh, group on such an important subject. And the quality of the conversation is so wonderful. And I'm so grateful uh, to be a, a part and look forward to joining you again. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, so you guys have a, a good Dr. week. Dr. Cowley, before you go, how can we get the talk that your cousin was talking about? You said it was on YouTube. I, uh, Dr. Perez, were you talking about this session that we had last week? Yeah, uh, not uh, this session, but it's um, the drum. You were on the, the drum. W-H-U-R. W-H-U-R. Oh, man, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, that was that was outside exciting to hear your voice. They didn't take any questions, so I couldn't um, oh, chime in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot all but about But I'll that. find out how to, get, how to get that recording and prayerfully have it for your next session so people can download it. If it Thank exists. you very much. You know, Dr. Thank Perez, you. I had forgotten all, all about that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was wonderful. Oh, Dr. Calendar, that Zoom user 
turned out to be Perlene Freeman. Ah, Perlene. Good to see you again, Perlene. Welcome home, Perlene. Good, good to see you too. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Good. Okay. Uh, have a great week and see you next week. Ciao. All right. Bye-bye. Carol, I've been dying to ask you, are you cold? Yo, our electric bill went up to $1,000, so we're conserving energy. <laughs> and, now, and now it's stuck. We've had energy people here, furnace people, everything, trying to figure out why our energy bill is so high. Ooh. So John's not cold, but I don't know why this morning I'm freezing. But anyway, we I have cold. You cold, honey. Well, yeah, I'll give you a blanket. Yeah, I got uh, blood thinner too, so that compounds the problem. So we we rock, we walking around here like Eskimos, but I don't <laughs> want to pay another thousand dollar bill. I don't know what it is. We've had the meter man. We might even get solar panels. I Cut down we, uh, all the trees. I don't know what to do. I think we. Uh, <laughs> I have a problem with the water going up uh -huh. like that. I had a I had a water bill that came to me like that almost almost happened almost made me almost have a heart attack. Yeah, when and you see I see a bill that like that, I, I I started to say have a heart attack without the sex, but anyway, <laughs> I tell you, I tell you. Well, you know, uh, I think you got the problem too, Howard. In DC, they sent us a text message saying that we uh, it's oh, stuck yeah. in um, auxiliary mode. You know, uh, oh, it's the backup mode, and oh, backup mode is emergency uh, heat. Oh. And so we're trying to get a thermostat straightened out so that it can be on just regular heat. Yeah. So we got to get our maybe, thermostat. Maybe you just need a new thermostat. That's what I just said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I had to get a new, look, John, I had to get a, a new uh, water. The way the water came from, the city to my house is what the problem was. I had to get a whole, they had to go down in the ground and do a whole new meter. But it worked. Yeah, it worked. I went from uh, uh, $2,000 to 43. That wasn't your fault that it was that much? No, it wasn't. And I've got a dispute with them because for six months, my bill was going up and up and up and up and up. You know, it went from 43 to 77 and 89 and 110. You know, it went like that until it, it got to 200. And then it jumped from 200 600. And then it went from 600 to 2,000. I and I kept, they kept telling me there was something I was doing. I went and had all my toilets replaced. Hmm. And I, I, you know, had a couple of inspections. I did all kinds of stuff. Come to find out. I found out from one of the guys that came. Oh, you! Why? Well, I wonder why your meter's running running backwards sometimes and forwards other times. And when I brought it up, he said, "Oh, we've never heard of anything like that." But in the end, that's exactly what was happening. And this little technician told me that eight months ago. So now I'm I've got a a dispute with the with the uh, water company. Need a lawyer. It has all been paid for. I, you know how you, when you pay your water, they got that little thing that says you can donate to, you know, you can donate to the water fund to help people. Well, yeah. I, I was, I was able to use that 
to pay that $2,000 bill. So you they took care of that. But, but all the rest of them, I had paid. You so now I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear, you know, the what happened. You think that utility, do y'all, anybody think the utility companies are playing games? Oh, yeah. And if I hadn't have said nothing, you know, or I hadn't insisted something was wrong, you know, and see, they're lucky that I'm not suing them for the three toilets that I replaced. I would. The, the, you know, and all the rest of that. I just want them to give me back what I paid for these last 17 months that my bill kept going up and up and up. I got one person in this house and my bill shouldn't be that high. Anything over $43. Like mm. What'd you say? Anything over $43 I would sue them for. Oh, well, <laughs> I, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. But I'm just saying, I'm not replacing them for the, you know, the, uh, I guess $600 that I've, I paid replacing toilets and then the inside of toilets and having two plumbers come in and do inspections all around and outside and inside my house. I'm not suing him for that, but I definitely gonna sue them for everything over forty three dollars. Give John a give John a um blanket, Carol. Okay, I'm gonna get it for him. John a blanket. Carol, <laughs> are you drinking lots of hot stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I wouldn't. I was afraid to use heaters. You know, little portable heaters. Because they're so easy to catch fire and stuff like that, so putting on more clothes is a lot is a lot safer. The guy told us that using those little portable heaters is causing the electricity to go up higher. Right, yeah, so that's what I'm. I gotta do. I'm, yeah, I gotta do something with my plants on the back porch. I guess I just throw them away because <laughs> can't afford to keep them warm. Carol, if you can find that picture of your plants, put it up. Um, it was up. I don't know. My whole thing. I got to start all over again with this thing. Uh, you got to go. So yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. I'll see you all next week. I got a mission. I have to take care of. Get ready to go out. That means I tell you, life gets in the way. That means you're a missionary when you say that. <laughs> you have a mission. Yeah, I have a mission. Secret agent. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> All right. All right. See you, Ben. Bye bye. Uh, bye. 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 Elizabeth. Yeah.